on today's episode of Gathering the Kings. I'm glad that I did what I did, but I don't think I would if, if I knew <laughs> upfront the kind of challenges that were going to be involved in it. You are listening to Gathering the Kings with Chaz Wolf, featuring fellow seven, eight, and even nine figure business owners who have real battle scars from business and life, but have prevailed as the king that they are designed to be. We welcome high-performing entrepreneurs to the stage in order to reveal the real of the real on what it takes to build a successful business today. We dissect the good and bad decisions they've made along the way that give a true and accurate picture of the journey of success and how you too can get there. Through this dialogue, you will learn the value of growing your network and surrounding yourself with power players and kings like today's guest. Grab your pen and notebook because we're about to dive in. What's up, everybody? I'm Chaz Wolf, Gathering the Kings podcast. And I've got Matt Schwant here on the King stage. My brother, how you doing? Not too bad. Thanks for having me, Chaz. I'm, I'm glad that you're here. And we were just talking about uh, lineage, your German last name, and how you found out that you're like not that much German. That's right. So, yeah. So I, I have a last name with seven consonants, I think, and one, one vowel. So it's a feat of German engineering. But well, as it turns out, we're not that German. That's um, my funny. parents did one of those DNA tests years back, and it turns out we're about 97% Norwegian. That's crazy. Um, crazy. Which makes sense because we all look like Norsemen in our family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It makes sense. It, we start looking into that type of thing. We were just talking about this off air, how crazy that, you know, the DNA stuff and how you start looking back and the roads that, you know, cross here and there. It's kind of funny. But anyway, Matt, appreciate you being here and uh, being excited. German or not, we're okay that you're here and excited that, that you're bringing some cool business tactics here with you. What kind of business do you got, brother? So we've got a crappery and tap room located in Minneapolis, Minnesota that we started back in, we founded it in 2012, did about a year and a half of startup, business plan, drafting, fundraising, and then we opened our doors wow. in July of 2014. Wow. Yeah, you, you did the whole plan ahead of time like they teach you how to do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, it was a it was a major risk for me because I was leaving the legal profession. I had gotten a law degree. I practiced public and private law for a few years. Wow. Really got the entrepreneurial bug. Knew I I had always wanted to start a business. And yeah. I had really geeked out about craft beer for a while. I had I had been in a pretty obsessive home brewer for about a decade. Wow. And the market seemed right in Minnesota for a brewery that was going to switch things up a little bit. You know, we weren't just a brewery that started without a pretty distinct vision. We had a very distinct vision of what we wanted to do. And we were very methodical and deliberate about creating the plan to show others that vision who would believe in it and help us with the funding and, you know, location and branding and, you know, everything that goes into starting a business like that. Yeah. I love how, like you said, maybe methodical or, you know, thorough in your thought process in, in the planning ahead of time before you hit the launch button. So many entrepreneurs hit the launch button and then say, okay, well, how, here we go, which is fine. Obviously both ways work, but that's the angle that we're going to go down because that's the story that you have. Before we get into the detail, like maybe how you built it and, you know, the, the journey along the way here, but I want to know why you, you said you had been kind of like this you know, connoisseur, maybe even like a, like a craftsman, if you will, around that, that uh, industry for, for some time. So I'm sure you had a large amount of interest, but like, 
why the business? Why entrepreneurialism? You said you kind of bought, you know, the, the, the bug kind of bit you. What's the bigger picture for you? What's the thing inside of you that's like the burning desire? You know, I, I think it actually started earlier than that. It was when I was in college in Nashville, Tennessee. I moved there when I was 18 to be a guitar player. And I ended up getting a degree in music business and audio production. And while I was working in college, I, I had the opportunity to serve at a brew pub. Uh, it was called Bosco's. It's no longer there, unfortunately. But the the head brewer there was a guy named Chuck Skypeck, and he was just full of information and knowledge. Wow. And he was really good about educating staff on craft beer and the process. Scott, Chuck actually went on to become the technical director of the National Brewers Association. He still is. I'll see him in a couple of months in Nashville because that's where the Craft Brewers Conference is this year. So that's, that's kind of where the bug bit me with craft beer. And then you know, like I said, I'd always wanted to start a business. I've always loved the idea of creating something new and offering it to the market. I, I, I that, that's, that's what fuels me is yeah. just this need to be, to be creative, to create something that didn't exist before. And, you know, hopefully it provides value to the world. Yeah. Where do you think it comes from? You said it kind of, you know, it, it was inside and it's like this desire to come out but like did that was that how you were raised or or did you was that from this guy that he kind of like implanted this in you specifically with with beer but like what does that what does that come from well our, our family has always been really musical and okay. so creative um, yeah yeah and, and that that's always been a dynamic in in my two younger brothers and my lives was was creating and you know that came in the form of music mostly growing up right but i you know i remember my make-believe as a kid was like, I, I, I created a restaurant. Come eat at my restaurant. I made this amazing menu. <laughs> I don't know why, but I've always been drawn to food and beverage. And yeah, yeah. I love the idea of people finding joy in experiencing what I created. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I think a lot of kids, you know, they play the grocery store or, you know, even a restaurant or something, but they don't create a menu. <laughs> They don't all these things that you're over there creating out of out of thin air, which is really cool because you get you're like living your childhood dream. Yeah, in a lot of ways I am. I mean, it's a lot more challenging than than anyone yeah. expects it to be. And you you know, we were very deliberate and methodical about business planning, but boy, we learned on the job too. I mean, there were there is so much that goes into running a brewery our size, you know, going from the garage and five gallon batches up to Right. 30 barrel minimum batch sizes, which is about 930 gallons yeah, um, huge. with packaging components and raw materials that that total in the, the several thousands for a single batch. You know, there's a lot of work. There's a lot of risk. Okay. And not to mention the cleaning and sanitizing that goes into it, which is 90 percent of the job. And I, I've done everything in the brewery. I started out as the head brewer and my brother Mark and I were the only two staff people for the first well, about a year and a half. So I'm writing recipes. I'm developing product concepts, executing those recipes by by brewing, filtering, carbonating, packaging. I mean, you name it, everything, marketing, legal, finance. We just did all of it in the beginning. And then, you know, yeah. eventually we got to a point where we could start bringing on people to help us out with with those kinds of things. And, you know, after almost 10 years now, I'm I'm mostly not doing any physical work, uh, right. just doing high level strategy, brand strategy, business planning, biz dev, yeah. you know, thing, things that are pretty yeah. enjoyable, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I love what you just said. You didn't maybe realize what you're doing, but hope the listener is paying attention. You just dropped like those higher lever activities 
that uh, eventually the business owner has to get to. There's a lot of business owners that listen here that might be not at the mark yet where they can start hiring out some other folks, or maybe they have a few, but it's just kind of in the process of building. But that that's really the angle that they're after, which is what you just said. You gave them like a perfect roadmap. You kind of got to do everything until you can have enough resource to be able to start putting people in place so that you can go sit on the beach. Well, no, that's not what you said. <laughs> what I heard you say is that you leveled up to some of those higher activities that that really move the needle in a business or in a brand. Right. Right. It's so important. You know, fortunately, we've had a very low rate of turnover, which is unique in in our industry. You know, it's maybe not as high high of a turnover as in the restaurant business, but it it has been fairly high in brewery business in the last couple of years. And we've retained a lot of the same people that we started started out with. In fact, one of our bartenders, her eighth anniversary at the brewery is this weekend. Wow. She's been with us a long time. She still does a great job. She kills it. And that's that's a part of the culture that we've built at the brewery. And that that's something that I'm I'm really big on is is fostering a really healthy, great culture to work in. Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to get to that. I, I, I think that you're right. But it's also unique because in food and beverage, it it seems like it's almost impossible because margins are thin and and you can't just go hire you know, people at three times the, the salary, like there's a lot of challenge that comes along with that. So we can definitely get to that here in a second. Tell us a little bit about the the, the roadmap. You, you've kind of given us like, you're this, uh, you're this creative kind of behind the scenes, musical genius, if you will, but which I know that's not what you said, but that's what I, that's what I heard. <laughs> and, and, and so, okay, you're expressing yourself through this, but like you were a law guy before you're practicing law. How, what, how, what made the transition? Obviously you met this guy, but tell us some more detail. Yeah. So I, you know, I was one of those weird people who actually really enjoyed law school. Maybe I'm a masochist like that. I don't know, but I, I enjoyed the education. I didn't love practicing law <laughs> and I, I did it for two years as a state assistant attorney general. And then I went into private practice and I was with a firm that did mostly employment law, but we also did just general business litigation. And I was, I, I kind of had to confront this, this notion that, you know what, I, I don't really love, I'm not super passionate about this. I, I appreciate the knowledge that I've gained, but I feel like I could apply a lot of those same skills elsewhere in a way that, that really fills me up. And, you know, starting a business was, it seemed so natural at the time. It was exciting. It was challenging. It was drawing on skill sets that I had developed throughout my life and kind of putting it all together in this one bucket to drive, drive the stream that I had. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it, it was, it's, it's honestly, it's a little bit fuzzy to remember because there was so much going on at the time. And like I said, there was a huge amount of risk leaving this, yeah. you know, pretty well-paying legal job. And just hoping that this business was going to be successful enough to give me a paycheck. Like in that, inside of that craziness, right? I mean, I, I actually have a similar story where I was in sales making, you know, great salary as a sales leader. And, you know, even though I was only 24, I was making really sweet money into the six figures and give it up to start my first business. But for you in that moment, because I remember, I remember what I was thinking. What were you thinking as far as like the risk and the like, I'm giving this up or was it like, I can't wait? Was it like calculated? Like, what were you in that moment, you know, tinkering with in your brain? I, I think there was probably a little bit too much confidence, <laughs> yeah. a little naive confidence going on that well, uh, this is, huh? this is going to be a success because yeah. we've thought about it so much and we've really honed this right. and, and created so many differentiators how is this going to fail? Yeah. Yeah. And 
you know, looking back, it's just like, wow, that was that was pretty naive and, and to the to the point of arrogance. But honestly, and well, who knows I, I if you would have jumped. Right. And, and I heard this from another a restaurateur has been very successful in the Twin Cities named Han Kim. She has some of the best pizza restaurants in the region. And I heard her on NPR doing an interview and she said something like, if entrepreneurs knew what it took to start a business, yeah. 90% of them wouldn't start the business. Yeah. And that, that's, that was such a, a resonating statement for me to hear. I was just like, oh, preach, you know? Yeah, exactly. I'm glad that I did what I did, but I don't think I would have, if I knew <laughs> upfront the kind of challenges that were going to be involved in it. The guy listening alone. right now who's like, I hear you. Maybe he's in the midst of the challenge. Um, he hasn't reached the status that you're at right now where you can like look back. It doesn't mean you don't have challenges now, but you've been through some deep challenges that you're referring to. What would you say to that guy that's right now going, I probably shouldn't have done this. And he's like almost up in arms. He's listening to your podcast right now. It's kind of like the last ditch resort, just like you were listening to her. What would you say? Would you say the same thing or something similar? I would say that, yeah, I mean, I would reiterate, yeah, what, what Ann said, but I, I think also businesses don't fail. The entrepreneurs quit. Yeah. Um, that's, I, I just, I just think that persistence is so important when it looks like the ship is going down. I just think it's incumbent on us as entrepreneurs, especially for small businesses, small ventures to yeah. just give it all you got. If nothing else, let's say the business goes down, right? You gave it your best shot. You did everything in your power and you can feel good about that. It's not a failure. It's a learning point. Yeah. So I, I just think that in those times, that's when we're called upon the most to keep persisting. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the reason, right? It's like all the cliche things that, you know, you, that you hear about, even in sports, like it's the, it's the hard, it's the pain, it's the sweat. It, but when we get there, it's like actually hard and it's painful and sweating. Yeah. Same in business. And so like, I think you're hundred percent right. Not only the persistence, have you found, cause in the, in the moment of persistence, at least for me, <clears throat> when I can like have a clear understanding of my desire, why I'm doing this, right? Which is why I asked you the first question. Did that help you kind of press through those, those challenging moments? Yes and no. I mean, yes, it helps to look back and like, hey, what, what are the reasons that I did this? Where is that passion? But it was more finding new ways to adapt and differentiate and using that creative muscle again. Yeah. You know, I don't want to say that, that finding what, where the passion originated isn't important because I think that, that remembering your roots is, is worthwhile. Yeah. But for me, it was more about looking at this shifting landscape and, okay, what do we need to do to right the ship? What do we need to do to get back on solid ground? Right. And this happens in every business. It happens in our industry all the time, especially now, which it's happening even more, is that the markets change so frequently. And like, we're, we're, we're pretty diversified in our product offerings. Now we don't just brew beer. We have a line of successful hard seltzers. We have a line of successful non-alcoholic beers. We have a line of successful cannabis beverages because that's where the market is going right now. Craft beer has actually been on the declining nationally for the last couple of years. So we've had to pivot. And fortunately, you know, we've had the greatest test for adaptability of all time, COVID. Yeah. We yeah, made it through that. And it was because we were pretty innovative and being willing to be adaptable. In fact, we, we actually graced the cover of 
the Brewers Association's trade magazine, The New Brewer, during the pandemic, because we had converted our tap, one of our taproom windows into a drive-through for customers. Yeah. That, that was one innovative way that we kept business going was, you know, okay, the public space inside was off limits, but we can still serve our customers through a drive-through situation that's a lot more safe and everyone's masked and stuff. And so I, I just think that it's, it's really important to not get stuck in, well, this is how we do it. And the market needs to respond to us. <laughs> so that's, that would be comfortable, yeah. but to be successful is to be comfortable with discomfort and yeah. to accept discomfort and say, okay, yep, this is going to require us to stretch a little bit. We're going to have to figure out some new ways to do things. Right. But that's how you get ahead. And how, that, that, it may not be the first idea you've had, you have that, that works out. Maybe it's the 10th idea, but just starting the exercise yeah. and being willing to go there. Yeah. It just increases your chances of success so much more than yeah. obviously the, the alternative was throwing up your hands. I mean, that's exactly. not a great strategy. Yeah. To your point, you can quit or, or you persist. And, and I guess the, the desire question that I gave you, I was thinking back, we, I, you're spot on. I agree with you. The listeners didn't get to hear our little quick conversation before we hit the record button about the business of selling widgets. Whatever the widgets are, you and me are like, I love business. I love building a team. I love innovating a new product. I love, you know, like all the, the things that like in put whatever label, put whatever product, put whatever, you know, industry and in, which is like, ooh, let me get in here and like make something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Whether physical or not, it doesn't really matter. The point is that we're builders. We're through this entrepreneur. And so I think even like that, that desire is like just so many more layers deeper in you where that's what, that, that's in essence what you just said. Like in those moments, the persistence for you was to be creative, was to be innovative, to build something, to, you know, like all the things that you said, you know, a few minutes ago, which was just really, really powerful because that's not, I, that, that wasn't the things I was trying to connect, but it, it did, it happened, which was really actually pretty profound now that I'm kind of like, you know, bringing it full circle here in this conversation. It's like exactly who you said you were is exactly who you said you needed to be in the moment when you were persisting. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. And that that was not something that I stumbled on naturally either. I mean, I fought it. <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, I definitely, you know, you got that ego voice in the back of your head. that's just like, this is going to be painful. This is going right. to suck. Right. Why can't things just work out <laughs> with, yeah. you know, without easy having to button. put Where's in the this. easy button? Yeah, where's the easy button? And that's not how it works. And and that's fine. There's beauty in that. There's growth in that. And But you have to be willing to accept it. And it's not as painful as your mind makes it out to be. Right. In fact, it could be a, a wonderful thing that stretches you in ways you never imagined that you could be stretched and it leads to some new thing. And Right. You know, that, that's kind of where we're at right now with, with cannabis beverages. So last, last July, the Minnesota legislature passed a few amendments to our hemp laws that allowed for small amounts of hemp-derived THC in edible products. Mm -hmm. And so breweries jumped on this immediately. And we, we developed a line of cannabis beverages. They're delicious. It's just like, it tastes like a store-bought sparkling flavored water with small amounts of THC and CBD. And they've been selling really well for us. They're about 25% of our total sales volume now. Wow. And yeah, that's huge. So yeah, it's, it's wonderful. I mean, that, that was a quick pivot. Like we brought that product line to market within, let's see. So the legislation passed in July. We had product at market in September. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, you want to talk about, like you said, just being creative and coming up with something literally new. 
that you, you mentioned that a few minutes ago. <clears throat> the, I mean, I think that in your business where you're, where you're crafting, like you said, food and beverage, isn't that kind of like the edge of your kind of just like the lane that you're in is like, I got to stay relevant, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's not like, it's not like your pizza, you know, where like, I'm all like, you know, I can have like, Ann, I can have pizza joints and I'm going to, I'm going to want pizza every once in a while. And I want Ann's cause it's been around for 50 years and it's the best. Yes. There's a little bit of that when it comes to beverage and community and maybe even beer itself, but really you're in this lane of like creativity in this, like innovation and like what's new or what's fresh. What can I get excited about? Is that, is that what you're definitely. And I mean, that's incredibly important in high competition right. segments like craft beer, you know, four or five years ago, there were, you know, about 4,000 breweries. Now there's over 9,000 nationwide. Wow. Yeah. Competition is fierce. Yeah. And there's the openings, you know, the rate of openings has, has declined a bit over the last couple of years. But yeah, the competition is very strong and, you know, we're far from the only brewery doing cannabis beverages in Minnesota now, although Minnesota is the only state that allows breweries to produce these products, Interesting, uh, which gives us a really awesome competitive advantage for the time being. Right. And interestingly enough, there was, uh, actually there, there's a, an adult use recreational cannabis bill going through the Minnesota legislature right now. And the way it was originally drafted would have prevented breweries from continuing to produce these beverages. Right. And so I've actually testified in three state committee hearings in the last couple of months to advocate for breweries and, and other small businesses who want to maintain a position in the hemp derived space. And just a couple of weeks ago, actually, both state houses passed a series of pretty comprehensive amendments that created a separate licensing track for what they're calling low potency hemp edible products. So fortunately, it looks like we're going to be able to continue doing what we're doing, which is great because yeah. it's been a fun space to innovate. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, I was going to say most people have just no idea, you know, that this little, this little, you know, sliver of, of industry even exists, let alone how it affects craft beer. And so just the, your connection to creativity and invention obviously is super clear, but I was watching a video, I don't know, maybe two or three days ago. And the guy was talking about kind of like this desire and the want for more and a lot of guys that I have on the show as well as kind of like a commonality in our mastermind group is this grateful but not done kind of spirit like I'm thankful for mm -hmm. where I'm at thankful for people that have helped me get here or even have come with me but man we're so far from done like we got to keep going and that desire is what actually spurs us into creative thinking you just said it a few minutes ago where you were like you know we either had to pivot or we just wanted to be innovative. We just wanted to be fresh. And so it spurs us. We want more is what you're saying. We want, we want something different. We want more, right. either more to, to stay relevant and grow our business or like, let's just do something brand new. You know, that's more. So it like literally forces your brain into a creative space where you, you're now searching for this, this next level, whether it's next level in your business, your marriage, you know, your family, your business, your beer, you know, what, whatever, you know what I mean? Absolutely. That that's where it gets fun again, too. It's, you know, and I personally just kind of rediscovered that in the last year or two, you know, the pandemic did a number on all of us, you know, with our mental well-being, and especially as business owners, just the existential dread, you know, feeling like it was kind of there all the time. And now, you know, we're kind of moving past that and like, oh, yeah, we get to be fun again. We get right. to be innovative again. <laughs> yeah. So we're, you know, we're trying to do all sorts of new things. Um, 
you know, that weren't possible just a couple of years ago. We're, we're actually, we, we kind of have a reputation as a brewery who puts on really great large scale events in the summer. Nice. And one of the ways we're leveling that up this year is we're actually doing a series of three concerts that will be ticketed on our grounds because we have a, a huge parking lot, a lot of space, and we'll have national headlining, headlining acts at all three shows. Oh. We just booked the first one last week. We locked it in. We're hoping the other two fall in place shortly because we need that's to announce awesome. this and get tickets <laughs> selling. Yeah. But uh, that, yeah, that's just one of the ways we're kind of leaving, leaning into one of our core competencies and evolving it to another place that I think is going to be super fun. Yeah. It's, it's been a huge, I guess, kind of inspiring set of circumstances for us. Like, cause I get to pull in my music background. I get to work right. with a fun local concert promoter. We get to have artists that we actually like want to listen to. And right. yeah, it's just been really exciting. And it's kind of gotten some of that fire going again. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can not only see everything that you're doing, which is just really cool. I, I think that a lot of people, not only just from the, the pandemic, but also just really? the last couple of years of just kind of working through all of that, even after they just, they just want to have fun or they want to be able to be in a community or be around like-minded individuals, whether that's business or music or craft beer. I think that that's a, it's a big desire for people in today's, you know, mindset, wherever we are in 2023 right now. Yeah. You know, people, people want to be around people and they want to have, you know, a level of enjoyment is, is right. But I also think too, that, that they want it to be uh, like a unique experience. And so I just love what you're doing because the same, like, I'm trying to do it with the podcast, you know, you got, yeah. you got something in the mail. You got something in the mail uh, you, from you, from, from your face. I can tell you haven't seen it yet. <laughs> like. Did I? <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. You should have. But that just totally blows everything I was just going to make a point of. But about creating an experience, regardless, you know, the the podcast experience, I want to create something when someone comes through here. And and a couple of weeks ago, when you got your thing or you should have gotten your thing, it adds to the moments that we're that we're remembering, right? Like, that's what you're doing with that concert is that, yeah, you're selling some tickets and you're going to sell some beer. It's going to be great for the business. But you're creating moments for people in your community that That's yes, exactly they're going right. to interact with your brand. Yes, they're going to remember, but it's, it's actually them that you're influencing, right? Right. In fact, I, so I, I draft all the creative briefs for projects like this. And I think that something very close to the phrase you just uttered was in the creative brief. Like that's, that's the point of these shows is to create an elevated music experience yeah. that celebrates, you know, a special moment for our community. Yep. Yep. I think more and more people are going to go towards that that experience. All yeah. right. Well, let's go practical. We've, we've talked, we've talked a lot high level already. I want to know of a good decision that you made in the business, super practical, something that you can share with us that we can go maybe even duplicate in our business. Absolutely. Without hesitation, I would say implementing traction EOS. As soon as you said the word implementing, I knew what you're about to follow it with. Yeah. Yep. That was just great. Uh, okay. So tell us about it. So we, we knew about four years into the business. So this is be, this be 2018. We came back from the craft brewers conference and realized we need to be a whole lot more organized and we need to make sure that we've got the right people in the right seats, that we're all going towards the same vision. Everyone is aware of how accountability is mapped out in the organization. Right. There's real metrics that we can measure. And I had a connection through one of my brothers to a local implementer here in Minneapolis that we brought on. His name was Daniel Moshi. He did a phenomenal job and, um, we've sworn by traction ever since. And I mean, just having the foundational tools like that for any organization, 
I mean, of any size, it's so impactful. Yeah. In fact, two years ago or so, I looked into becoming an implementer myself. Right. Yeah. And I, I met with several other local implementers just to get sort of the lay of the land. I ended up not pursuing traction. I did get a certification in a marketing framework called StoryBrand. And I'm also now an impact advisor for a local consulting group called Keystone International that started out as an EOS implementation firm. Uh, but then went to the Pinnacle system and now they've kind of developed their own thing. And the CEO, this woman named Jamie Tates, who's a rising star, has a, a new book coming out. It's got a national publisher. It's coming out in June. It's called The Culture Climb. Okay. And wow. so I'll also be helping Keystone implement these conscious culture workshops for their clients. Wow. As well as doing the foundational um, implementation work that's loosely based on traction. But is, yeah. like I said, it's really kind of their own system. That's how much I believe in these foundational tools yeah. and, and cultivating that in an organization because I know the power of it, having experienced it. Yeah, understood. Okay, let's flip the coin here. Matt, tell us what the bad decision was. What can we stay away from? Oof. Without naming names. Yours. You know, that, you know what? I think that the way that I can, I can discuss this without, without outing anybody or damaging relationships is we, we didn't value our product enough. There was a point in time where we didn't value our product or believe in ourselves enough to grow our brand on our terms. And we formed a partnership that ended up costing us dearly. Um, and we learned a lot from that experience over okay. the last five or six years. What are some of those things you've learned? We've learned that we need to believe in ourselves more. We need to, we need to believe in our product, in our, in our reputation, in what we do and believe that, yeah, they, there might be some extra work involved if we, if we decide to not form a partnership that, that might grow our brand, you know, who's to say that we can't do this better ourselves. Like we're the ones who believe in our product enough right. to grow it and growing it on your own terms is really important. I think to keep the continuity of the brand, right. keep the vision aligned. Yeah. Yeah. That. I hope that's not too vague. Um, no, no, I, I, I'm picking up the pieces here. I'm going to try to help the listener just make sure that they're connecting the dots. The, the vision, as you described a little bit ago, really you as the visionary or your, your ownership group or partnership group, whoever, you know, that that's what the listener has, wherever you're going is, is like quickly like shown in the brand. And so that it's, it's very, very difficult to outsource that. It's very difficult to outsource marketing in general. And I would actually just say that probably most entrepreneurs don't realize how important it is for them to become marketing experts. Mm -hmm. So let's just say it like that. Let's say as an entrepreneur, like almost number one, right after visionary is marketing because it's so quickly tied to the vision and then how that's gonna be expressed AKA how you're going to grow. And because people don't understand it, I've, I've literally done this myself, like thousands and thousands of dollars of just here, will you help me? And then it's like, ah, that wasn't, that's not what I wanted. Or right. this is not getting results at all. And so I just think that the message, correct me if I'm wrong here, or maybe add to it, but if the entrepreneur is listening right now and they do not consider themselves a marketing expert, they need to just jump into YouTube or some books or some certifications like you did and become mm -hmm. a marketing expert. What would you say? Say so you're 100% right. And that's, that's why I, I got the story brand certification. And for anybody who's interested in honing their marketing skills, pick up Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. It's a phenomenal book. Also, his book, uh, Marketing Made Simple. 
Those are both great resources. They're, they're just in depth enough to give you powerful tools to elevate the marketing in your business. And I think more than anything, those books will give you the reasons why. Yeah. Why you do marketing in this particular way? What are the considerations? It's not just coming up with a catchy, you know, slogan or having some flashy graphics. It's more about how do you clarify your message in a way that resonates with customers? Because that's yep. what's going to drive growth. Yep, exactly. I love it. Okay, let's go to our speed round here. Matt, I want to ask you about KPIs in your business. Mm -hmm. Or I say it like this here on the show. If you could only pick one, the KPI to track forever and ever, what would that be? Ooh, that's a good question. Are we beating the market? Okay. Are, are we... Are we tracking where we should yeah I, i'm i'm looking at historical data constantly right. and and mapping out you know our projections weekly month i and i think a very very close second would be are our people happy that's a lot more nebulous than than the sure. first one one is very concrete one is one is a little more open-ended but you know like i said earlier we we've done i think a really good job at building a solid culture at bauhaus and a culture where there is inclusivity and belonging and there's the stakeholders feel like they actually have something that they're contributing to and they have something to lose. Right. And, and, you know, we go out of our way to foster that and make sure that everyone feels like they've got a place. Yeah. Give us some examples there. Cause we, we, you mentioned this earlier. I wanted to definitely bring it up. Now is a perfect time. You've been intentional. So give mm -hmm. us some, some specifics on how you've been intentional. Right. You know, everything from just having regular staff meetings, giving every stakeholder, every level information on what we're doing. What are the new products coming out? How are we marketing them? What are the new partnerships we've got? You know, no information is like too high level to not share sure. with everyone. We, we started out as a family business. And I know that word is thrown around so frequently in small businesses. Oh, we're a family. Well, we, I mean, we literally are, but we've also <laughs> treated our, our, staff as members of our family and that's right. in our that that theme is in our employee handbook it's in our it's in our social posts it's in our website copy it's in you know it's how it's just how we talk to each other it's how we take care of each other right um like i said one of our bartenders is having her eighth anniversary this weekend so i'm I, i'm secretly finding out what her favorite cake is and i we're gonna have a party for her yeah she doesn't know about and you know that's that's just the kind of stuff that we do is making people know that they're valued and that we appreciate what they, what they've done and you know, what they brought to the organization and their persistence is staying with us. Yeah. I can tell you this, my birthday was just a few weeks ago and there was family members that definitely didn't get a cake and definitely didn't even send a message or a call. And, and here you are as a boss going behind her back to get a, a secret cake. It's not really that big of a deal. But it is a big deal. So thank you for leading the way on that. I think that intentionality with relationships, wherever we are, you and me right now, your team, business to business, a development you talked about earlier, like all of the relationships that are around us, if you just slow it down a second, be super intentional and watch, watch what happens. Yeah. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you know, it's not just like events like birthdays and stuff. I mean, we just like to have fun with each other. Yeah, it's good, man. It's a it's a it's a team team atmosphere, camaraderie. It's a place where people want to be. Sounds like yeah, it's cool, man. What do you think about intentionally networking or masterminding with other entrepreneurs? I think it's really important. Okay. I think that it's very easily to feel totally siloed in your own business. 
that's that's why I've been, you know, I've served on a couple of boards in the industry, the Minnesota Craft Brewers Guild. I'm currently a board member for the Inter Independent Brewers Alliance. It's a national purchasing, purchasing cooperative for craft brewers because it's an opportunity to talk to other brewery owners. You know, sometimes you think that the struggles you're going through or the challenges you're facing are unique to you. And then you talk to other brewers and you're like, oh, they're dealing with the same thing. Right. Well, that that doesn't feel so daunting anymore. Like, let's put our heads together. How can we do this together? Like, how can we yeah. figure this out? And we're in an industry that's really forthcoming with helping other breweries out. Like, right. there, yeah, there's literal competition, but most people also want to see you do well. Yeah. And there's, there's no gatekeeping with knowledge. Yeah. You know, every once in a while you encounter it, but not as pervasive as in other industries. So yeah, I think it's really important to network. Plus, you never know what kind of opportunities might might come from networking like that. We've had plenty of partnerships that have come out of just like a chance meeting at a networking event. That's right. Yeah, chance podcast. Yeah, yeah. I've I've had some some incredible encounters and and some things that I would have never dreamed of happen because of a random podcast. You know, whether I was a guest or or a host. Okay, sure. so. <clears throat> What about a book or you kind of mentioned traction, you mentioned a couple of things, a building and some marketing stuff earlier, but a book about growth, a book about that you just love. What's the one that you read all the time? What's that? So I guess I, I have two, two that I would talk about. The first is The Culture Code. Yeah. Uh, I just finished that book and the author's name is escaping me right now, but phenomenal book about fostering a great culture in any kind of organization. I really loved it though. And, and I, I loved how the author talked about, and, and then one section he talked about belonging cues and how important those are to indicate to staff people and in other colleagues, like, Hey, you're part of this, you know, this is not just a business of one guy at the top, you know, this is, this is a, you know, a, a business where ideas can come from any level and they do like. We actually have a Slack channel just called Beer Name Ideas. And anybody who's just feels inspired in the moment can post a beer name idea to it. And those routinely get used as product names. Yeah. yeah. And it comes from anybody in the organization, bartenders, canning line folks, marketing people, you name it. And the other book I would recommend, and this is more of kind of just a personal source of inspiration for me is, is The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. Okay. It's a phenomenal book about it's, I guess you'd classify it as, you know, kind of spirituality, but his whole premise is that you are not your thoughts. You are not your mind. You are the being observing your mind and your thoughts. And so that anxiety that you feel constantly understand that's the meat computer up here, just going nuts, but that's not you. That's mm -hmm. not an objective source of truth. And so like when I'm really feeling pressured or challenged, you know, in anything in life, but especially business, it's a great reminder to go back to that book and just step back and be like, okay, I'm just observing the way that my mind is processing the sum of my past experiences in this moment. Right. But that's not me. It doesn't define me. And, you know, maybe I'll meditate, calm myself down a little bit, approach a problem from a different angle. And all of a sudden it looks totally different. Yeah. It's like, Okay, I, I've got this. We can figure a way out. Yeah, that's incredible. It sounds like sounds like a key that's unlocked several other things for you, which is pretty. It cool. has. It's it's a it's a phenomenal book. The guy is is great. He's got a great story. He's got another book called The Surrender Experiment. That's sort of autobiographical in his journey, and he's just a fascinating guy. He he was a PhD in economics back in the seventies. 
totally decided to you know do something different, became very meditative and, and spiritual, but then ended up buying like one of the first personal computers that Radio Shack wow. sold, taught himself programming language, and he built wow. this billing software for a local doctor in Florida. And within about five years, it became the national industry standard in medical billing. Wow. And then he eventually owned Web WebMD in the late 90s. And he's gone, he's incredibly successful, mainly known for his his perspective on on spirituality and, and the mind. Yeah. And early adopting, apparently. Yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Okay. I got a question for you about family. This is a question that has been in my podcast since the top of the year. And I kind of spring it on folks at the end here, but in in a business we're we're successful because we're obsessed. We've talked about that 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 desire and the persistence and we kind of just, you know, keep it going. And that's obsession really. And what I have found is that when people don't do that also in their family, marriage, kids, the other areas of life, that it it then it tips the scale and then we don't have this quote unquote balance. In fact, I don't really believe in balance. It's more of a like I just want to go all in on all areas, like fully obsessed. What are the things that you've done to be able to do both. Boy, that's a that's an interesting question. The balance is hard to keep in in one space and not the other. You know, I mean, in business, it's I think it's almost healthy to have that kind of obsession as long as you you're able to check it at the door. And, and I'll be frank, I there were many times that I wasn't able to do that. And I'm divorced now, which is an interesting dynamic considering my ex wife and I are still the principal owners of the brewery and we started it together. Wow. And yeah. my Former father-in-law was my homebrewing partner for about a decade. So, yeah, yeah, you know, this business came out of, of you know, a family situation, and we still are. You know, we get along great. We're we're amazing co-parents. We have two kids, twelve and fourteen, and I think that that not being able to have that that same, not being able to have that sense of balance in our family life, because you know, I'm kind of a perfectionist by nature, and realize in hindsight that I was trying to impose that perfectionism on the family too. And, you know, that's, that was a, was a, was a difficult learning lesson. Yeah. You know, that is, and, and it's not the only thing, you know, that people split up over. There's a lot of issues, you know, sure. but, but yeah, that was, that was one that I'm, I'm totally willing to own that I was, I was trying to impose something on that space that, that I, yeah, I really shouldn't have. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. There's a, there's a dynamic there that plays business, the family, fatherhood, right? Like there's, mm -hmm. there's, there's a difference in all of them, but then there's, then there's us like who we are and playing or not playing, you know, being, being somebody that we're not, all those things add weight in different, you know, yeah. elements. So yeah. it is a very interesting question. Definitely not one that I have figured out myself either, but it is unique that I find that whether someone is in the in the journey of figuring that out or you know maybe that's been a situation where it hasn't worked out everybody that i've talked to has said this is this is a topic that's worth talking about absolutely you I mean i'm i'm happy to say that i've been able to find gratitude in in the divorce because it really did push me to learn about you know well, how, how did i get here how can i do better yeah. You know, it definitely wasn't a throw up my hands moment. It was just like, okay, I realized that there were some problems. Now I need to get to work on, you know, fixing those. Yeah. And yeah. it's not anyone else's responsibility, but mine. Yeah. Because what's know? the alternative, right? Like, woe is me. And like, yeah, the alternative is being in a victim mindset your whole life. Yeah. And, you know, that's going to destroy you as well as your relationships. Exactly. 
Yeah. Yeah. Matt, I got one last question here for you, brother. If you could whisper in the younger Matt's ear, what would you say? Lighten up. (laughs) Lighten up. It's going to be okay. You're capable. You're going to persist. Just enjoy the present moment a bit more. Yeah. You know, don't, don't look to the future for, you know, for comfort and, and for happiness, happiness and comfort exist whenever you want them to. It's a, it's just a choice. Try it. Try it. It's good, man. It's deep, but it's good. Appreciate you sharing. How can, how can the listener find you? How can they find your craft beer? How can they find your, your cannabis infused drinks? How can, tell us where we can find you. And then also you, if they want to reach out to you as an, as a business owner, how can they find you? Sure. You can go to bauhausbrewlabs.com. It's B-A-U-H-A-U-S brew labs, like short for laboratories.com. We've got an online shop with everything that we're allowed to sell direct to customer. Unfortunately, that's not alcoholic beverages, but our line of non-alcoholic beverages and cannabis beverages are allowed to be shipped. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook just at Bauhaus Brew Labs. And then my personal email is just Matt, M-A-T-T at BauhausBrewLabs.com. I'm also on LinkedIn at Matt Schwan. Perfect. Sounds good, man. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know you, and I just appreciate your time sharing with the, the other folks listening here today. We wish you nothing but blessing on your business and, and your growing team, everything you get your hands to, your family even, everything you get your hands to in 2023. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Jazz. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening to Gathering the Kings today. I hope that you were able to pull out a few nuggets to go apply into your business right away. More importantly, though, I hope that you're realizing that it takes more to be successful than just being by yourself, doing it all on your own, carrying the weight all by yourself. What I have realized, not only in my own journey from multiple businesses and multiple different industries, and now interviewing literally over two or 300 other very successful seven, eight and nine figure business owners is that it's tough to do it alone. And so Gathering the Kings literally exists to bring together successful entrepreneurs. In fact, we are putting together one thousand kings specifically who are grateful but not done we're intentionally assembling kings who fight tooth and nail for their business family and communities and here's what we believe that in the pursuit of excellence in those areas that it ignites within us the responsibility to govern power and forge a lasting legacy so if that relates and and resonates with you and you know that you need people around you sharp qualified other very successful business owners, I want you to go to gatheringthekings.com. I want you to take a look at what we're doing and see if it makes sense for you to be part of our pursuit to 1,000 Kings. Talk soon.